Welcome to the Lead Me On podcast, where we give you practical solutions for extraordinary leadership. My name is Lori King-Taylor, and I'm here with my co-host, Lori Gorell. For more than 25 years, we've been educating and coaching individuals who want to transform the way they lead. Join us each week as we provide inspiring conversations to help you increase your capability to lead with greater impact and influence. Get ready. It's time to lead me on. Hello, Lori King-Taylor. Hello, Lori Gorell. How are you today? I am fantastic with a capital F. Wow. What puts the capital F in fantastic today? I think it is, and I'm going to use F again. I am in a great flow today. It's just, it's just happening. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Yes. How are you? I am not so fantastic today. Oh, yeah. I'm just kind of hoping this, uh, our conversation today, I know will kind of lift me up and help me along today. So, you know, but we all have those days when we're not so fantastic. We do. And thank you for keeping it real. (laughs) Both of us preach vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am real excited about what we have to talk about today. Find, fix, and fill the leadership gap. And you know, Candace, our guest, Well, so why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Candace? I would love to. And we have Candace Gottlieb-Clark, and she is a renowned business advisor, coach, speaker, author, and conflict management specialist. She founded Dynamic Team Solutions to help businesses strengthen their leaders and teams through enhanced communication, teamwork, leadership, and conflict management. And as you know, those are all things that we love to talk about. Candace holds, we do. And Candace holds a master's degree in counseling and is a board certified executive coach. She is a sought after speaker and writer on topics in all of those things I just mentioned. And she released a book recently called Find, Fix, Fill Your Leadership Gap, which is what we're going to discuss today. And that's how I know Candace is that I got to be part of her advanced reader team and had a, an inside look at her material. And I love it. So I'm very excited to have Candace on. Hello, Candace. Hello, the Lorries. I'm so glad to be here with both of you and uh, Lori Gorell in particular. Thank you so much for being a part of that advanced reader team and for, you know, just blindly going into that since we had not met beforehand and deciding to give me your honest thoughts and feedback. And I was just so delighted that you enjoyed it because it was such a, a, a passion project for me to create it. So Candace, what inspired you to write your book? Well, you know, I have, I started a business dynamic team solutions about 20 years ago to help business leaders. And when I was doing that, you know, very early on, I realized that a lot of times it was a leader that was actually creating turmoil in the, in the offices. When I was called in to help with maybe a a team issue or conflict between people, I learned that very often it actually stemmed back to these leaders and because it was super uncomfortable to tell them that I had to think of a way that I could approach it that would have a little less friction involved. And so what I realized is really early on, I would go to these leaders when we'd be talking about the project, sometimes before they'd even decided to hire me. And I would say, 
if I find any of these issues stems back to you, how would you like me to let you know? And, and almost without exception, I'd get a self-deprecating laugh and some, you know, they'd say something like, of course it comes back to me. I know I'm part of these situations. Just let me know. And that was a huge, you know, a huge weight off of my shoulders, but it was such an early lesson of it does not matter how badly a leader might be performing on some level and by their employees, you know, experience they want to do their best and they are trying to do their best. They simply don't know. So the idea of the book, I think was really born when I realized how often they just don't have the information they need to do better. It's not that they don't want to. And that really made me want to provide that insight as widely as I could. I love that you asked the question, how would you like for me to give you this input back? Cause it really kind of does put that ownership back on them and um, they kind of give you permission. Absolutely. And in that same element, when I would come back and I would say, do you remember that conversation when I asked you? And again, you know, it would be that self-deprecating and the, what did I do? (laughs) Sort of a response. It just made it so much softer to bring it up. It does give a, a jumping off point for having those conversations when they are the ones that had articulated it. So yeah, brilliant point. You know, I tell my leaders all the time to ask for feedback. And one of the things I tell them is you have to give people permission to tell you the tough stuff. So as a leader, so that was your way of you know getting the permission. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think what you... Stuff. What you train your clients is exactly part of, you know, what I talk about and what I preach as well, because that's part of what will build trust is being willing to take the feedback and ask for the feedback. And those things are a huge part of how you develop trust, not just for the leader, but with the team and among themselves. What are some of the common truths that you have found among the leaders you've worked with? Well, that's a great question. Uh, That is, in essence, if I'm going to jump to sort of a description of part of the book, that connects to what I refer to as the three-legged stool of leadership. Um, And those three legs, and I'll go into a bit of detail on each one, are trust, role clarity, and conflict management. And each one sounds so simple and so understandable, but as you know, because you read the book, there are huge sections of the book. And I, I reiterate all the different places where they impact because each of those bleeds into the other two. If you have weak trust, you will have poor, a lot of conflict. And it shows that you don't know your role. If you don't know your role, you probably are not managing conflict. Even if you're creating safe trust, that also damages and and dismantles that three-legged stool. And likewise, if you ignore conflict, you're just going to have trust dissolved. And again, you're not showing, you recognize what is part of your role. So those three key things were not front of mind when I started writing the book. When I was writing the book, I had all these lessons in my head, the stories I was going to use to teach these lessons and to offer new skills. But as I was writing it, I realized that there was so much consistency in what I was saying it almost annoyed me. I'm like, why do I'm saying the same thing again? And I realized it's because it's this three-legged stool. It, it is what it is. I need to define it so that I can continually show its impact, how it reaches each other, you know, the, the other elements and, and how they interrelate and can create a lot of strength if they're all happening, but can cause a lot of problems if any of them is weak. And one of the things I love about your book is that you give such amazing real life examples. Can you give us 
an example, one of your stories, I know we're limited on time and all, but one of your stories about a person and where this, the, the three-legged stool comes in. Um, sure. Do you have a favorite? You know, we've got Gary, Josephine, and Stuart that are my main characters, right? Do you have a favorite we should just talk about? Any of them. Any I of just, them. I just love that you just make it all so real as you are giving us the lessons through the book. Thank you. Um, I will gro- I'm going to gravitate towards Stuart. He had such a skill in hiring people. So he was brought on board to bring on, and shortly after he was brought on board, he had to create his own leadership team and hired and recruited this amazing group of individuals who, honest to God, that guy could just have his role be as a recruiter because he really knows how to find and bring on talent. And each of these people was independent of each of, of everyone else, a rock star and dedicated and would work overtime and give up weekends to get things done. I mean, they were true, amazing people. However, his relationship building with them, where he connected with them from the get-go was through a personal connection. He met with them, he talked to them, he figured out their passions and interests and so forth. And he shared those with them. And so he figured now that I've created this phenomenal team of these great people, I'm going to let them do their job and I'm going to step back and kind of took his hands off the wheel. He gave them all the autonomy that he thought would help them to succeed. But at the end of the day, there started being friction between them. And that friction between them exploded into side taking, uh, you know, and, and all sorts of things. And rather than recognize that his role was not being addressed, his he was not addressing the conflict as they were letting him know the team were informing Stuart they were having a problem with the team member and he would step back and say, I'd talk to them, but he did it very quietly and behind closed doors. So when there was not change, it damaged trust. And the fact that the problems kept happening, damaged trust. And as the conflict increased because the trust was damaged and it all showed that Stuart was not fulfilling his role of helping the team to succeed as a team, his default was to say, you're in essence to feel betrayed that they didn't trust him for his good intentions. So it's just like one, you know, it just became this, you know, interwoven mess of the team liked him personally, no longer trusted him, no longer wanted him to be their leader. They started usurping his authority and how they were interacting with each other because he wasn't involved properly. And the conflict was really pretty out of control by the time I was brought in. So I'm glad that you brought all of that up because the example that I I remember, I just held up my book to before we started saying, there is one of these things I want you to address. And because I think it is a phenomenon that happens a lot in corporate America, in any organization, actually, is the concept of praising publicly and correcting privately. And is, can you even mention in this Stewart scenario that he was doing this course correction, or he thought he was, over here, but no one else knew. Yeah. Can you talk more about that concept? Because I think a lot of people follow that rule to to praise publicly and correct privately. Yes, and and I'm I'm so glad that that's something you wanted to touch upon. It is almost a misnomer to say that it's like people treat it like the golden rule, but the golden rule is also questionable, right? You know, you've heard treat others as you would like to be treated. And then I've heard people say, actually, the golden rule should be treat others as they want to be treated. And it's similar. It's like, we forget that that's not necessarily the case. It just sounds good. And it's a good practice, but what really is a better way of looking at it, the, um, 
the purpose behind the criticize privately. If you know somebody's making a mistake on a project with a client, let's say you've gotten a complaint, yes, address it privately. But if it's impacting the team, you can address it privately and it's really a good practice to do so. But then you let the team know, hey, I had a conversation with this team member to address the issues you brought up. They're involved, let them know you're taking steps. And then you let them know further, if things don't improve, please come back to me so that you're showing you're engaged, you're interested in creating help and you're not violating the other person by bringing them down in a public setting. You're still speaking to them privately, but you can even let them know. I will let the team know you and I had this conversation. It keeps everybody aware, everybody in the loop. And that level of transparency builds trust. That transparency is huge. Oh, Lori, King Taylor. No, no, transparency is huge. And and I agree with you, Lori. The other thing though, I think that is they begin to distrust that they're even having these conversations with an individual if the behavior of the individual is not changing and then that's not being addressed. Right. And that's why it's so important for leaders to invite the continual feedback. Thank you so much for sharing with me the problem. I'm taking steps to address it. If it doesn't get better, please keep letting me know this is important to me too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you made it clear in in the book to bring that problem person into the mix and sharing, I am going to let the team know. Otherwise it could feel like they're being outed or the team would feel maybe a little funny about bringing something to you because it's going to be made public. Right. So it's, I just think it's good policy, making sure everyone knows I'm going to take this in and I'm going to share it. And as a team, we're going to be better. Yes. Yeah. I'm so glad you wanted to talk about that. (laughs) What are some of the other common truths you found among leaders? I think one of the most common truths, and I've sort of touched on this already, is that they genuinely are trying their best. I mean, they often will have a coach, they read leadership books, they, you know, belong to maybe mentorship circles and groups as well. They really truly want to be a great leader. And they very often have a hard time seeing that they're the ones that's to blame, which is, you know, why, you know, I bring up, you know, that question if I find out, because if I don't, there's a lot of resistance. They think they fall back on their intention as opposed to the real truth of what's happening. And there's a saying or a, you know, a philosophy maybe is a better way to put it that I hold regardless of who I'm working with. And I also encourage every person in any shape of a business in any position to hold this as well. And it's vindicate, don't villainize. And it's to just hold room, hold grace for the person that whatever problem they're creating, that is not their wish to create that problem. And, and let me add to it every now and again, it is intentional, the problem they're creating. It's not common but it is intentional at times, but even then they believe the other person deserved it. And so it's a matter of really, again, vindicating, why did they deserve it? What has happened to you that made you so upset to want to create problems for this other individual? You know, and it it comes back to sort of a mediator mindset. And I have that, you know, mediator toolkit as a natural part of my skill set and my practical areas, but you know, just helping them to see that is great. And also realizing that, you know, most people, most of the time are truly trying their very best. 
And, and going into that with that positive mindset, I think helps people a lot because it also helps them to be more honest and more forthcoming when you believe the best in them. Right. And that comes down to that trust issue, right? That we, we yes. trust that everybody has the best interest of the organization in mind. And once we trust that we can go into that conflict that you were talking about. Right. You were writing this book during COVID and that ushered in a, an era of hybrid, a hybrid workforce. Can you elaborate a bit more for our listeners? Yeah, um, absolutely. Interestingly, even though I was writing this, not, I didn't start it during COVID, but I certainly finished it during COVID. And there was a point at which I wondered if I should, you know, intentionally make the book COVID friendly in content. And I decided against it both perhaps um, naively thinking it wouldn't be as everlasting a situation as it seems to be right now, (laughs) but also because it doesn't, it doesn't dramatically change any of the content. Really the three-legged stool still holds true when you're remote or hybrid, even more so because it's so important when you are not face-to-face where you can't just interact in the moment with someone, but you have to consciously make that effort, consciously work to support them. It's not fluid. And so the efforts of managing conflict when it comes up and building trust and, and demonstrating your role, which I want to go into that for a moment, it becomes even more important. So in order to create a trusting team, one of the most important things, and I talk about this in our sections on role clarity is making sure that your meetings with your team are very different than what they have been probably up to this point. And so when I say that, we've all been a part of those terrible meetings where we find that everybody's just reporting in on what they're working on, barely listening to anybody else, looking at their watch, wondering how much longer they're going to be in the meeting, you know, all of that stuff that we just experience and find wasteful. And during the hybrid time, it's been even more so. But truly, that is not even an effective meeting in an in-person setting. It is inefficient. It's you know, does nothing to support people. What I promote is that the meetings should focus on making sure every single person, and and you can start this tomorrow in whatever company you work in for, for your listeners in the meetings, make sure every single person knows not only everyone else's job, but how they are impacting it and how they are being impacted in turn by the others. And then as a second point beyond just, this is how the chain of work affects me or how I affect the chain of work, then it's also a matter of what do I need from other people? What do I need more of? What do I need to have stop? You know, and likewise, paying attention to what others need from me. And then future meetings, once you've created that sort of baseline of understanding, future meetings are about, this is what I'm working on. This is the struggle. This is where I need someone to pitch in, change, help, support, Here's where I can put in more now that I understand how I am impacting this person. And you create a web of trust because people genuinely understand how that flow of work is is occurring within the business, how it's affecting everybody. It creates everybody as sort of this uniform team instead of isolated people. And when you've got hybrid, it's so hard to build trust. But when you do that and you have strong trust, it becomes even stronger because people see where they can be of support. They also feel more valuable and that keeps them in the job longer. You don't have as much turnover when people see how vital and and important they are to everyone else. I really love the whole aspect of trust. And Lori and I have, have talked quite a bit on the podcast about how important that 
trust factor is with a leader and with teams. Can we dive a little bit deeper into that? Oh, thank you. I would love to. So trust, and it's interesting, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well. So often people I encounter when we talk about trust, they, they sort of almost shake it off. Like, yeah, I know, I know I've got, we've got it. You know, we're, we all, you know, and basically what they're telling me is we're all honest with each other. And I kind of laugh because honesty is like the lowest rung on the trust ladder for me. Uh. (laughs) You know, that's the given. We expect you to tell the truth that does not build trust. And I use an acronym in my book because I, I talk about the four components of trust. There's transparency, which is something we talked about a little earlier when we were talking about giving feedback privately, but then sharing that it's happening. So transparency, and that can be, can be, and should be in every aspect of the business that it's available to be. And, and yes, I think the problem is people don't recognize where they can be transparent. So they hold back. They don't share the bigger picture. They don't share where they're struggling. They don't share that they don't know. They don't give that. And a leader needs to start by demonstrating that themselves, by offering transparency, but also demonstrating the interest in others showing it. And the second part of that, we talk about honesty after that is openness, being open to what other people say when they say, I don't think that's a great idea or open to them saying, I don't have the bandwidth for this, whatever it is being open to what they have to say that may not be what you want. So being transparent in what you're sharing, being open in what you're hearing, having respect are is really important because regardless of how well you are transparent, how honest you are, how open you are to feedback. If you don't do it with respect, it's going to fall apart. And the acronym is Thor transparency, honesty, openness, and respect. And Thor, as we know, is a Norse God known for creating storms with his mighty hammer, right? Another part of Thor is Thor is known for protection. And when you bring about transparency, honesty, openness, and respect, and you model it and you constantly and, and deliberately do that, you're going to bring it back and you're going to create safety and protection. But if you let those crumble, if you don't bring those to be, you're going to have storms that safety and that sense of safety on a team so that anything can be said, anything can be brought up, but you have to have that environment where you have that sense of safety. Bring on Thor. Yeah. Bring on Thor. Bring on Thor. I love that acronym. (laughs) I love Thor. So are there any other pieces, any other things that you want to tease our leaders with to share before Lori and I do our practical solutions? Just, you know, I I encourage whether you're a future leader, a current leader, you can do even better than you're doing. Your great intentions are the best starting point. And that's why reading my book, reading other books, but please read my book because it really does teach you some of the things you might do wrong without realizing you're doing them wrong. And it tells you how to do it better. Um, you know, believe in yourself, believe that it's worth your time to invest in yourself because you can grow and you can be even better. And, you know, as I I say, in the dedication of this book, it's to all leaders who want to see their teams thrive and really what leader doesn't. Yes. Yes. So Lori King Taylor, are we ready for practical solutions for extraordinary leadership? I believe that we are. And I think the first practical solution is to really illuminate the three pillars that are essential for strong leadership, understand what they are and 
if you have those in your wheelhouse. And secondly, it's building connection in the remote and hybrid environments and doing that with role clarity and building trust. Yeah. And the third would be really building that clarity around the link between effective leaders and collaborative teams. Yes, yes, yes. So Candace, thank you for being with us today. If our leaders would like to learn more about you or your book, how would they find you? Um, I will give them a few different ways. So um, our business uh, website is dynamicteamsolutions.org. You can find us there. Um, there's also um, a, an author website, which is my full name, candacegottliebclark.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn. And for any of your listeners who are curious about the book um, and are thinking of getting it, um, I have two options for you. Of course, it is available for purchase on Amazon. So please feel free to look for it there. But if you want to just a little bit more to go on deciding if the book is right for you, we do have a link on the bottom of my website. So dynamicteamsolutions.org to get two free chapters. And that way you can start off and decide just how perfect this book is for you. Very generous. (laughs) And I hope it is. The name of that book is Find, Fix, and Fill Your Leadership Gap. Thank you so much for being with us today, Candice. I greatly enjoyed it. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. It's been terrific being with you both and with your audience. I know that this is something that I was excited to participate in. And I hope that, that, you know, the people listening felt our enthusiasm and speaking with each other today. Fantastic. Thank you. Lori King-Taylor, I will see you again soon. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, we would so appreciate a review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. If you're interested in knowing more about our upcoming events or working with one of us personally to transform the way you lead, visit our websites. For Lori King-Taylor, visit trinityperformancesolutions.com. And for Lori Gorell, visit UpwardSolutionsCC.com. Until next week.